Hey there, listeners. This is Dr. Sammy, your friendly neighborhood entomologist. In August 2020, researchers at Duke University published a paper called Low-Cost Measurement of Face Mask Efficacy for Filtering Expelled Droplets During Speech. And it wasn't long before headlines started to appear that sounded a lot like this. Wearing a neck gaiter may be worse than no mask at all, researchers find. Neck gaiters do not curb COVID-19. Scientists discover that neck gaiters multiply infectious droplets. The viral study suggesting that neck gaiters are worse than no mask at all. (laughs) Do you recognize these? This was pretty attention-grabbing stuff, especially in August 2020, when we were still scrambling to figure out exactly how to reduce the spread of COVID-19, and we were still months away from getting a vaccine. This paper was widely circulated, even before peer review and official publication, and media coverage often featured the same thing. Neck gaiters, those thin, stretchy tubes of fabric that runners might wear over their mouths— These were somehow, apparently, worse than wearing no mask at all. However, that's not exactly what this study's researchers intended. Those conclusions were beyond the scope of the study. In fact, you might go so far as to say this was misinformation. Fake news, even. So what did the researchers really want to share with the world? Well, that's what we're going to be exploring in today's Spotlight. Today, we've got with us Dr. Martin Fisher, author and professor at the Department of Chemistry at Duke University. Dr. Fisher, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Okay. So as a researcher and science communicator, this has been a conversation I've wanted to have for a long time. So let's get into it. But but first, I've been thinking of some good titles for this, and I wanted to pitch one. Um, I was thinking we could call this Haters Gonna Hate and Gators Gonna Gate. What do you think? <laughs> Sounds great to me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all joking aside, in your own words, how could you describe to us what your team undertook last year? Can you tell us what this study shows? Sure thing. So we really set out to develop a measurement method to study masks. This was not a systematic study of all mask types. We really developed a methodology, an instrument that is easy to duplicate that will give you an idea of how well the masks work under, under speaking, so when you speak through it. So we, we set out to do a quick and easily reproducible setup. Um, this was really aimed at um, educators, at maybe even mask manufacturers, to sort of pre-screen the masks. So, so what you're saying is that The entire point of the study wasn't to show which masks are the most effective and which are potentially ineffective, but to just show that you guys have a method available to you that can track how many droplets are produced when a person is speaking. Uh, That's really fascinating. Do you remember what it was like when you first saw headlines mischaracterizing your study? It was extremely frustrating. Hmm. I mean, when I read headlines that say, well, masks are worse than wearing no mask at all. Mm-hmm. That's not at all what we, what the study showed. Mm-hmm. And this is not at all the message that we want to get across. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really appreciate people trying to help and trying to put on a mask. There's plenty of people who refuse. But the, the last thing we wanted to do was turn people off that are willing right. to put on a mask. Right. Yeah, it seemed like there were high stakes to uh, communication of this work going in the right direction. Was there anyone on your team that took immediate action to try to steer the narrative back in its intended direction? 
we actually tried. There were some articles that were clearly in the, going in the wrong direction. And we tried to contact editors and try to contact the people we interviewed with. Some of them were actually willing to, to modify at least a subheader. Mm-hmm. Um, most, we couldn't change anything. Mm. So we were, after our initial interviews, trying to be extremely careful in, in how we phrase this so that it, it cannot be misrepresented in any way. Mm-hmm. So in, in science, there's the, the, the Murphy's Law, right? If something yes. can go wrong, it will. I'm not sure if there's something equivalent in, in the media business. If something can get misquoted, it will. So <laughs> I like keeping that, that like in mind, that. <laughs> we were trying to phrase it extremely carefully afterwards. Uh, you know what? That might end up being something really helpful for science communicators to remember. If something can get misquoted, it will. So be very, <laughs> very, very careful, as careful as you can possibly be about how you choose to articulate these things. What I'm thinking about is the fact that your study presented itself in the middle of a pandemic. People were starved for information of any sort, but especially information about how we can protect ourselves. So In one interview, you're quoted as saying, it's not the case that any mask is better than nothing. There are some masks that actually hurt rather than do good. Were you aware that in a time like this, when people were starved for information, that there would be people out there who would immediately try to globalize that information as tested medical advice? I, it took me by surprise. Mm. I mean, we, we wrote this article for a, for a more scientific, a broad scientific audience Mm-hmm. And I was not prepared for the mm. for the flood of requests and comments that I've received afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. I've gotten about a thousand emails per week um, for <sighs> clarifications and questions, and most of those were really um, aimed at, well, help me try to understand this better. Uh-huh. Some of those emails, of course, were. I don't want to repeat them here on no. on microphone, but let's say this: um, we did not make many friends in the gator industry, mm. though. Though we've been approached by by manufacturers of all sorts of masks and trying to help them design a better mask and and figure out why it was that the specific um, gator mask that we happened to test um, did not perform as well as it should have done. Mm-hmm. So. Something good came out of this, um, I guess it's been coined Gatorgate. <laughs> Let me put it this way. We've certainly raised awareness that just because you pick up a mask and put it on doesn't necessarily mean um, you're doing the best you can to protect yourself or even more so other people. Thank you so much for providing us with, with this level of, of information. As a science communicator, I find this sort of thing absolutely invaluable. So... Thanks so much for letting us spotlight your research. It was a real pleasure. Dr. Martin Fisher is an author and professor at Duke University's Department of Chemistry. At Duke University, like many other academic institutions, there's a communications team that's responsible for helping scientists get their research out to people effectively. I'm really excited to say that we also have with us today, Sarah Avery. She's the media relations specialist who wrote the press release for Dr. Fisher's paper. We're really glad to have you here with us today. Thank you. What's the story of this piece of research? How did it get from a laboratory in Duke University into the Washington Post or the Daily Mail? 
So the, the process that we have when, when studies are being published or research is being published is once the study has been accepted, the researchers reach out to us and say, hey, is this something that you think the, that the mainstream media would be interested in? So our, our efforts are almost always focused on consumer media. And so one of our key issues that we look for when we're determining whether something would be of interest to that lay audience is can people understand it and access it mm-hmm. and you know appreciate the science here and this was one that you know kind of hit all of those marks yes i think people not only could understand it and and appreciate the science but it was it happened to be information that was hugely hugely of interest to the broader consuming public you wouldn't think that you're expelling a lot of saliva when you're talking you think you know you know that's what happens when you cough or you sneeze but certainly not while i'm talking um it's it's certainly an embarrassing thought to consider yes exactly exactly but so dr fisher had put together this device that that was able to um visually show how effective these masks were and he tested a few masks and so his mission was really to see whether this could be built and whether this could, you know, show what they hope to show. And so um, that really was kind of the driving force. And that was really the message of the, of, of our mm-hmm. outreach. You know, it, it did spiral into, Oh, net gators are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there was a lot of blowback from the net gators manufacturers and so forth. Um, What I think is really interesting about this is that your piece didn't even contain the word gator. So why (laughs) do you think that journalists jumped on that particular angle in their reports so much? Well, part of it is because the study came out at a time when there was an absolute dearth of information about Mm. masks and which ones worked and which ones didn't. So in the void, in that void was our study that came out and said, well, you know, there's a way to test this. It helped bolster thought and conversations around, well, wait, what, what should I do? And what should I, what kind of masks should I wear and how should I wear them? And even though Mm. the study wasn't designed to give you a roadmap in terms of, you know, what type of mask you should go out and buy and what ones you should wear kind of thing. But, but it, but it did drive the conversation. Talking with the media relations specialist, I'm excited to get the opportunity to ask a a couple more questions. Uh, One of them being, regardless of the coverage itself, is it always a win when a paper gets circulated as widely as this one does? Like, would you consider that uh, all publicity is good publicity as the saying goes? I think in this case, because our team was very careful to to correct the misinformation when it mm-hmm. when they were asked. I mean, I think where it was where it was problematic is when folks didn't actually reach out to us and and mm-hmm. speak to our our um, researchers. I don't think that in this situation the misinformation was so damaging or so hurtful or so harmful mm-hmm. that the underlying message of hey wear a mask it does help (laughs) and um in you know we have these visuals that show that you know if you put a mask on it it helps diminish the saliva that sprays from your mouth when you're talking Mm -hmm. that message i think ultimately became the 
you know, the old, the, the bigger message, the more positive message and the more positive impact. It was certainly the case for me when I, I looked at the, the images provided by this. I mean, someone was literally saying, stay healthy people. And just the sheer volume of droplets that go flying out of a person's mouth. And they're too small for you to typically see. And so you miss this kind of thing on a regular basis. Exactly. But I was shocked and it changed the way that I interacted with people, how closely I spoke with them. I, it's, I, I, I really uh, hope that that part of the study uh, gets featured more heavily as people discuss it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that larger message, you know, despite all the other stuff that went on and all the noise around the gators and so forth, that was, I think, what came through. And to that extent, mm-hmm. was that positive? Yes, absolutely. That was positive. Got it. Yeah. Do, do you have an instinct for what will catch people's attention when you're working in media relations? Well, that one was a huge one. Um, and again, I think the reason um, it, it did catch on was a, a lot of it on the timing. You know, if there was a dearth of really good scientific evidence around uh, masking and, and why we were wearing them. And so, and, and also very visual. I mean, one of the things we did yes. with that press release is we had visuals. Our videographer mm-hmm. went into that lab and shot, you know, video of, of that. That was very effective, having those visuals rather than just a dry academic study in a journal. Um, mm-hmm. Having the visuals really did help and amplified that message um, hugely because people can't really access and read and understand scientific journals. You know, the, our my mission is to somehow bring this to a level where people can really understand it and visualize it and see it. And oftentimes that includes having a visual element to it or telling the story in a way that people can access it and appreciate it. Well, I have to say that is incredibly helpful for me to hear. This has been really insightful and really enthralling. So thank you for sharing your expertise with us. uh, And thank you for being here. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for the conversation. Sarah Avery is a media relations specialist and the director of the Duke Health News Office. Thank you so much for listening to This Study Shows Spotlight. You can find more information on the podcast at thisstudyshows.com. And if you'd like to get in touch, then you can tweet us at Wiley in Research or tweet me at Dr. Sammy Tweets. This Study Shows Spotlight is presented by me, Dr. Samuel Ramsey, and it's made for Wiley Research by Listen Entertainment and is produced by Maddie Hickish. The executive producer from Listen is Nick Minter. And the executive producer from Wiley Research is Samantha Green. 